Hi friends, and welcome to the True Speaks podcast with Jessica Lauren. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm so stoked to be here with y'all. I started this podcast because I believe that one of the best things we can do is share life and conversations with others about the big things, about the hard things, and about the important things. And I am so excited to invite friends from all different places for some incredible conversations. All right, friends, today on the podcast is my friend Rochelle Chase, and this is a really good one, y'all. I'm super excited about this. We are chatting about her life as a foster mama, as a wife, as a ministry leader, and talking about her incredible relationship with her teenage boys, which honestly is unlike anything I've ever seen. We're talking about the highs and the lows of fostering. We are also chatting about what it looks like to spend intentional time with the Lord when life is just nuts, and so I think you guys are going to be really blessed by this conversation. I will give you guys a little heads up. We were experiencing a few connection issues. And so if there's any time that the audio sounds a little weird, I just ask that y'all bear with us. It's going to be really great. And I think that it's going to be worth pushing through. So I hope you guys enjoy my awesome conversation with my sweet friend, Rochelle. I'm just like, let's jump in girl. All right. I, don't know. I love her. it. We're, ju- we're jumping on it. Um, okay, so basically, to start everything off, I want you to just share a little bit about who you are and introduce yourself to us. Tell me about your life and all the fun stuff. Okay, so my name is Rochelle, and I am married to Adam. We've been married for almost 20 years. We live in New Hampshire, and we have two biological teen boys and a adopted nine-year-old boy and right now we have a three-year-old foster daughter um adam is part-time um pastor at our church and also kind of full-time with our not-for-profit and so we have kind of a lot going on right now i guess you could say with our lives (laughs) kind of crazy i love it i Rochelle, I just love the heck out of you. And when I was in, well, I guess I was in New Hampshire in August with you, um, I just loved like seeing your life, even in all the crazy, like all the fun dynamics, everything that was going on, like you just kind of like buzz around and do all the things, but it's really fun to watch. (laughs) Does that sound accurate? I just kind of buzz around and do the things. That's actually a good description. (laughs) It's the best. And you're just so full of life and so happy and so fun. And it just makes my heart so stinking happy. So your life is crazy, but Uh you're just such a joy and it's so much fun. Well, thank you for a positive outlook on it. <laughs> You're like, sometimes it, it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, so I wanted to have you on because I just love you and I respect you so much. And um, I love the way that you live your life. And so I wanted to talk about all the things today. Um, I want to talk about just your life as a mama, um, as a foster mom, as an adoptive mom, as a biological um, mom. Just I wanted to talk about Uh, ministry and all these things. So we're just going to dive in and jump in and I hope you're ready for all the good stuff. (laughs) Let's go. Okay. So I really wanted to kind of talk about when, like when your heart started to open up to foster care and adoption and where that even began. Cause obviously, um, you know, that's, that's typically like a process and it doesn't happen without a lot of intention. So I'd love to just know like, where did that begin for you and your husband? And when did your heart start to be softened to this kind of opportunity? Okay, so basically, ever since I was little, I, this is going to sound weird, but I was I was homeschooled. And one of my reading books that we had to do when we got to, like, pick out our own books was called Adopted. <laughs> and I was probably, like, nine or ten. And it was about a little girl who was adopted. And ever since I read that book, I've actually tried to find it since then, but I can't. It's probably, like not even in print, but, um, my heart just was like sort of softened towards people who needed, who didn't have parents and needed to be adopted. So, um, I don't know. I just sort of was always something that I had in my heart. And even in college, I remember feeling, this is so weird, but I just felt like a pull towards boys, like orphan boys. I don't know why it was, I wasn't even married. I just had that in my heart. So when Adam and I got married, he actually has two younger sisters who are adopted um, from foster care. And so we had kind of just talked about it, like over the years that maybe we would do it. Then we started our family. We had two boys. We were, um, really busy. He was working two jobs. Um, I homeschooled the boys. We were working at our church doing youth ministry. And so we were just really busy. And 
We had started a process with getting the licensing to do respite care for some teenagers who were foster kids in our youth group. And then it just kind of never, we just never really did anything. And I really had more of a desire, I think, than Adam did. And so as we would talk about it, I would say, you know, I really feel like God might want us to adopt or do foster care. And he basically was like, if God drops it in our lap, if God drops a kid in our lap, then we'll do it. And I was like, great. God does not do that. God does not drop kids in your lap. That's not how God works. Obviously, I know. And that's just not what God does. And so um, a few summers ago, uh, Adam was working late and me and my older boys went to this uh, inner city ministry uh, that a friend of mine ran. I'd only met her like twice, maybe. So we weren't super close. And as we were leaving, she said, hey, do you want to adopt three kids? And I was like, what? And she was currently fostering um, a little boy who was six and then his two half sisters who were four and two at the time. And I was just like, this came out of nowhere. So I went home and talked to my husband and he was like, I don't know about that. And so we um, agreed to meet the kids anyways. And so we met these three kids and we just really fell in love with them. And um, we started, we decided we'd start the process to just at least finish the licensing process and we'd be an option for the kids. So we got licensed really quick. Like we kind of sped everything up. We did our home study and all of that, took the classes we had to and um, then at the last kind of minute, um, the dad of the girls decided that he wanted them. And so we ended up having Jakari, who's now with us, um, moved in with us probably like three months after that point. Okay. And I think it was then that I was like, oh, I guess God can drop kids in your lap. <laughs> because I honestly was like, we were not looking. We had not been talking about it. It was completely like random. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? Just random that I was even going to go to this ministry. And so God was like, here, I have this kid. And I actually, you don't know how I work. And I am going to drop him in your lap. And that's basically what happened. And so um, we ended up having him as a foster son for about a year and a half. And then last November, we adopted him. And um so that's kind of how the short story of the background of how that all happened. That is, I just love that because it's so, it's so fascinating to me when I can look back at my life and see this, like, like if you never would have gone that one night or whatever, you know what I mean? And now your life is forever changed by, you know, Jakari, who's now your son, you know, like yeah. and nothing yeah. will ever change that. And that one mm-hmm. moment that changed everything is just so wild to me how the Lord does that. Like, that's just insane. It's like that verse in Proverbs that talks about plan our, what we're going to do, but the Lord directs our steps. And that was so what it is because I was like thinking, I'm just going to plan in my heart. We're going to go to this ministry and God was directing our steps mm-hmm. to exactly where he wanted us to be when he wanted us to be there. So it was just crazy. I love that. And I think it's so interesting because I was reading this verse in gosh, I think it was second Timothy yesterday. And I was talking about how we were saved and called and purpose before. Um, well, it, it was how we're saved and then called and then how we've been purposed before time began, you know, and the fact that oh, I think a lot of times we can feel like we're going to miss um, what the Lord has for us or like miss our calling or, or people all the time are like, what is God's will for my life? What is that going to look like? And I think when we just sit at the feet of Jesus, like he, like you're saying, like we might have all these plans, but he's the one directing our steps. And so it's like, man, I could have, you know, you could think, oh, well, this will never happen. And I do it all the time in my life, you know, and yet the Lord is like, just wait, like you just wait, <laughs> you just wait yeah, and see. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it is so so cool. I just love that so much. Um, Okay, so one of my favorite things when I was there visiting you guys, our friendship is so random, how it all began, (laughs) to be totally honest, um, because we met, I guess it was like 2014 in the fall at some conference, and then we had a few other like interactions um, where we were like together in person, but not a lot of in-person time together and and also just kind of like followed each other on social media for a long time um but you've always just been one of my favorite people but all of that to say when I was there with your family in person um last August one of my favorite things was seeing your relationship with your teenage boys like it was unlike I've probably ever seen just the the respect that they have for you the love that you have for them and just how 
and the love that they have for you, like genuinely, like they're like, I love my mom. She is the best thing ever. And that is pretty rare. Um, I think in our culture right now. Um, and I would just love to know, like, how do you cultivate that? And what do you think is important for other mamas to know about raising teenage, teenage boys, teenage (laughs) girls, kids in general? Like, what does that look like for you? And how have you cultivated that kind of relationship with them? Yeah, so this is, like, a topic that I'm, like, super passionate about, obviously, Um, because, yeah, I, AJ and Riley are, like, my best friends, and they say that I'm their best friend. Like, we have a really close relationship. I think the biggest thing that I, when my kids were little, I really looked around to see other parents that I could sort of emulate what they were doing, and it was very difficult to find people that I was like that I liked looking at their relationship and what their side looks like, which I'm not saying it judgmentally, but just like if I was looking to model something, I just didn't really see it a lot. And I think that the biggest thing for me from the beginning was that I don't buy into the mindset that the world has that certain things um, are going to happen to certain kids at certain ages because that's just the way it is. Okay, well, maybe your two-year-old is doing this, but that doesn't mean that my two-year-old has to do that. And so from the beginning, that was my mindset of being like, I'm not buying that. Like, I'm just not buying it. It's true that every time somebody hits the age of 13, now they're not going to hug their mom anymore. Or when they're 15, they stop talking to their parents. I don't buy that. It's not biblical. And so I don't, I just didn't want to live my life being like, okay, if I can just get out of this stage, then I guess we'll be okay. It was early on, open communication with my kids consistently, um, of being like, this is what I expect of you. I expect obedience. I expect affection. I expect love. And I'll make it in a weird way, like, you will hug me. <laughs> but, like, I just expected it because that's what I wanted. And I knew that that's the kind of relationship I wanted with them. And so starting out from a really young age, it was open communication, always. I think I would just tell their moms, like, keeping current with your kids is so important. So even when they're like three or four or five years old, every once in a while when I put them to bed at night, I would just say, hey, did I do anything to upset you today? Is there anything I did that made you sad? And that way it gives them the opportunity to be like, well, you know, today you got impatient. And I can say, okay, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Instead of like they turn 10 and are like, remember that time when I was five? (laughs) Well, I probably don't remember, you know? So keeping current and... I'm saying that I be around us, even sometimes by other Christians, if it's not biblical. I just, I can't believe things that aren't biblical. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to give me your advice on parenting and it's simply your opinion, I can take it or leave it. But if it's, if it's not biblical, it's just your opinion and that's just fine. But I want to know, what does God say? And God doesn't say anything about teenagers rebelling. It does say a lot about humans rebelling. Yeah. Like, People are rebellious. It doesn't say teenagers are. And so I just didn't buy into it. I wasn't going to, like, I wasn't going to live that way. And as a result, just sort of the expectations, I guess, of my kids, um, you know, even like people who say you shouldn't be friends with your kids. Okay. Well, is that biblical? Mm. Um, You know, find a verse for me and then I'll live that way. But if not, I will be friends with my kids. And they still have the understanding of I'm the mom and I'm the authority but we can still be friends, you know, even though we have that. So I think the biggest thing is sticking to the Bible and getting your opinions and getting your wisdom from the Bible, not from other people um, and just their opinions and just staying current with communication, I think is the key for what has just called that I have with my boys. That I, it's like better than I could have ever dreamed it. You know, when they were three and five and I was tired and they were, you know, I don't think I was thinking I'm, they're going to be my best friend someday, you know, but just, keeping on working when they're little, the harder you work when when they're little, the less you have to work when they're older. So that's my biggest thing. Yeah, no, I think that's so huge. And I remember, um, I have, I personally have a really great relationship with my mom. Like she is, she would be my best friend. Like she is my favorite and we talk about everything and we process all these things together. And as a teenager, you know, I never went through a season where I hated my mom. Like that was not a thing. I mean, it's not that we didn't have arguments sometimes or like there was something frustrating and I was like, I can't believe that they feel like this about this or, you know, whatever it is. doesn't mean you don't have hard days, but it, I didn't go through this. Oh my gosh. Like from 13 to 18, I hated my parents. And But I think a lot of that came from the fact that my parents spoke life to me about that. And they, they didn't say like, 
of course you're going to do that. You're a teenager. Or (laughs) of course you're going to respond to me that way because you're a teenager. And they didn't expect that from me. And I think that something changes when we set this expectation of, oh yeah, teenagers are the worst, like get ready. You know what I mean? And we speak like into existence who they are as a rebellious child, you know? And it's like, our words hold so much life and so much value. And I think that that is really huge. And I think that you do that with your boys. Like you're really good at just speaking life into them and kind of like projecting onto them, like who they're going to be in the best kind of way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. And it's actually so key. Like what you just said, I can't tell you how many people that are saying, and I mean, like, you know, on blogs or on my on comments on my Instagram or whatever, being like, I'm so afraid for the teenage year. It's like people have spoken fear into all parents everywhere that is completely not biblically based. And it may possibly be based on their bad parenting skills that got them, you know, into a situation with their relationship with their teenagers the way that it is. But it is like they have built fear into all parents that says, all teenagers are going to be this way. All teenagers are going to be that way. And you're right. It's so not true. And if we practice, and that's why I really try to, even just with my Instagram, post things that are opposite of that. So people don't have to be afraid and don't have to be like, who wants to already be living in fear when your kids are six because you're paranoid about 10 years from now? Like we can't live that way, you know? So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think my, my parents always talked about this idea of like funnel parenting as, and like when you're, when you're little and you're a little baby, you know, you, you decide everything for your kids. You, you know, you decide when they're eating, you decide when they're sleeping, you decide, you know, all these things for your kiddos. And then as they get older, um, you begin to like, you know, release that tension and, and the, the mouth of that funnel gets wider. And, and I think that, you know, because you raise your children to, love and respect you it gives freedom there for them to be then their own person while also making decisions that respect your home and your family which is so big because then they can you're not living like you said you're not living in fear that well they don't know how they're I don't know how they're going to handle themselves in that situation because you've you've allowed freedom that has been um kind of bought by them by how they live their life you know yeah see you're gonna be all set when you're mine (laughs) let's hope so let's hope so and I'm like I also don't want to be ignorant of the fact that you can do everything right as a parent you can Mm -hmm. you can like you know cross all the all your t's and dot all your i's and and really try to cultivate this amazing relationship and there can still be so much hurt and heartbreak just because like you were saying as humans we're rebellious like we're sinful we make you know really dumb decisions and I made really dumb decisions as a teenager too but ultimately I can kind of be, be out on the other side and be like man like Though I made some poor decisions in my teenage years, like, I still have an incredible relationship with my family and my parents, and that's something, like, your family is going to be your family for forever. Like, those friends Mm -hmm. in high school, man, like, you might think they're all that in a bag of chips, but, like, are you really friends in 10 years? You know what I mean? And so I think that's that's so big. Yeah. Man, it is just so cool to see that because it's so evident um not just from you it's not like you're just like oh me and my boys and I have a great relationship and they're like oh my gosh mom you have no idea you know what I mean like it really is mutual and I've been able to see that from like I've had a front row seat to be able to see that and it really is just incredible to see and so I just love that so much um okay so I want to talk about um you guys have a ministry and that works with youth and you guys put on a conference every year. So I would love to hear more about your heart for that and how that got started and what you guys do and where your heart is for teenagers and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So we, um, when I was growing up, we, I grew up in a small church and we didn't have consistency with youth leaders. And something that I was passionate about because of that was being a consistent adult for teenagers because I felt like I didn't have that growing up. And so, um, and I was hurt by that in a couple of different instances that happened in church. And so I just wanted to be that. And so we have started doing youth ministry at our church ever since we got married. Um, And then we started this not-for-profit that really the Lord put on my heart, which didn't really make sense to me. But we opened a youth center, which was really for unsaved, unchurched teens, which we ran for eight years. And we're on pause right now because we don't have a building. But um it was just kind of out of my comfort zone in the sense that like 
I grew up in a Christian home that was very secure and solid, and um, my parents are still married and have a great relationship, and the majority of these kids, probably 98% of the kids, came from the completely opposite situation. But in working with teenagers from our church, I really, as my kids started getting older to the teen age, I realized that there really isn't a lot of events out there for just Christian teenagers. Growing up, like, we would have teen events, but it would be, like, bring your unsafe friends, and, you know, the whole point of it was to get, get the gospel out, and so I would bring my unsafe friends, and that was great, but I felt like there needed to be something for Christian teenagers who were serious about their faith and who wanted to connect with other Christian teenagers who were serious about their faith, and so the idea is that it is just for Christian teenagers. It's not an outreach. It's just for them. So once a year, we put on this conference um, called Surge, and that's the whole idea, especially where we live in New England. It's very cold to the gospel. It has the least church states um, in all of the U.S. People are just really not open. At, um, I mean, it's getting better, but it's really they're really not open to the gospel a lot, and it can be tiring and exhausting as a human but even as a teenager it's like it's hard when you can start to feel like you're the only one out there and like you're alone so that was the whole purpose behind this conference was just to give the support needed to teenagers so they can feel like they're not alone we have speakers come in really awesome ones like Jessica Lauren um, <laughs> who would fly in um, no but my point is to have older people and younger people yeah. to show them like what this looks like long term and just I just want to show teenagers that living a life for Jesus is like the best life you can live and that they don't have to be um, alone in this. And so that was kind of the heart behind our conference. And this is going to be our fifth year running it. And it's just been going awesome how God has been using it just in the lives of all the teenagers that come. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And I love what you said about, you know, wanting to convey to these kids that like life with the Lord is the very best life that you can ever live. And <laughs> I felt like over this past year, that's something that the Lord has really been teaching me. You know, there's the whole, like, I'm living my best life phrase. Um, and, and it's like one of those things that, you know, do I really believe that with the Lord, I'm living my best life wherever he takes me? You know, even mm -hmm. if life doesn't look like what I thought life was going to look like. And if we believe that, that begins to change everything about our lives. Because instead of looking and thinking, oh, man, the grass would be so much greener over there doing that thing. It's like, no, like this is, I'm living my best life right here mm -hmm. with the Lord, wherever he has me. And it's, there's just so much more freedom there and so much more joy there because you're like content in what mm -hmm. he has, you know, which is a process. But I think that that is so big. I think it's big for all of us to, to learn and know no matter what season we're in, you know, as a teenager, as an adult, you know, like that's so big. And I think it's just so important to have people around because the enemy is so good at making us feel isolated and feeling alone. And there's been many times where I felt like, is there anybody else who even is serving God? You can yeah. just get in that place. And so I think it's so helpful for teenagers, especially when they're still developing that, you know, their life values, like to see that, hey, there are other teenagers. I'm not going to have to be the only one doing this. There's other people we can be in this together. So I think that's huge for them. Oh, absolutely. That's so powerful like having community where you are with people that are like-minded even and that's why I'm, I'm grateful for the world we live in currently where you can have connections like this across states you know what I mean like we're not I don't write you letters <laughs> but, but we can check in and um we can chat on a podcast and do things like that and connect and it's so encouraging when you can talk to people that are like in it with you you know that are like they can link arms with you and be like no like I feel the exact same way I feel those exact same emotions I struggle with that too you know whatever it is and you can be so encouraged by that when you can link arms with other people and walk with them through whatever life looks like well I think that's so true and especially when it comes to surge because the second year we were doing it we had it was about, I'm trying to think, like maybe three weeks before the conference, and we had six people signed up, and two of them were my kids. And I was like, I'm quitting. I was like, we're yeah. not doing this. There's not a need. And I texted Jessica Lauren, and I was like, I don't think we can do this. It's ridiculous. And you were like, if it's for two people, it's enough. You need to keep doing this. And I was like, okay, Jessica, geez. <laughs> and, uh, but I just like, it's just so cool because it is interesting how 
the Lord can bring people together in this day and age we live in that I needed somebody outside of where I was to say, no, you need to keep doing this. And I did keep doing it. And now five years later, it's like it has grown so much and what the Lord has done because he allowed even you and me to have this relationship where you could encourage me and link arms with me from across the United States and say, no, this is what you need to do. So I just love that about how God does that. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I love that verse. I don't know. It's in, uh, I think it's in the Old Testament somewhere that says, like, do not despise small beginnings. And the fact that, like, especially in ministry, I think it can, you can just get so weary because you do the same things over and over and you, you pray and you're just like, you have such a heart and a burden for these things and you feel like nothing's changing. Like, nothing is moving forward. Like, nothing is growing. You're not seeing any you know, anybody like, get it, you know, like so badly. I'm like, I want you to get it. You know, I feel like that with my girls at the prison. I'm like, just like wrap your arms around this. Cause this will save you. Like this will like allow you to live an abundant life, allow you to get out of prison, allow you to stay out of prison, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, I just want you to get it. And it can get so exhausting when then you feel like nobody gets it. Like everybody mm-hmm. is just falling off the bandwagon. Like this isn't working, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, what am I doing? You know, and it can be just so discouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And that's why I just love even what you're doing with the podcast, because we need to be reminded of this and we need other people to even hear that somebody else is doing this ministry. Mm-hmm. I love hearing about your ministry that you do with the prison because it's like, okay, she's doing this today and she's doing, I need to pray for her so that, you know, and that's how we build each other up. And it's just so cool to be a part of. Yeah. Well, and one of my favorite things about the body of Christ is that I'm always reminded that we can't do everything as an individual. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I can't, and not that it's about me fixing um, the Mm -hmm. brokenness because that is, is not true. um, Because I believe that Jesus fixes all of our brokenness, but I can't have my hand in all of these things that I would like to have my hand in. You know what I mean? And so I would love to be a part of all these different things, but one person can only do so much. And what is so cool is like, like my girls at the prison, almost every single one of them is a mom. Like 99, I know like one girl in my group that's not a mom. And somebody has to love on their babies. Somebody Mm -hmm. has to love on their babies. And a lot of times they don't have family. They don't have support. And people like you are loving mm-hmm. on their babies. And that is so big because that is such a burden for them to, to try mm-hmm. to be a mom from prison. That's so hard and mm-hmm. hard to know what's happening to your kids, hard to know how they're doing, you know, all of these mm-hmm. things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we leak arms as a body of Christ. Like I'm not in the place where I can be a foster mom at, at 22, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe I will be in that place someday, but, but I am in the place right now where I can go to the prison but you're in the place where you can love on these babies and that is that is grueling work like that is hard work um so I would love just to kind of get a peek into I mean I know your world is crazy right now with a little one that you guys are fostering um and so I would just love to know like what do you want to say first of all to someone who's thinking about doing foster care um but also to maybe mamas who are in the thick of it right now like what would you say to those people who um, who might just be wrestling with it or struggling or whatever that looks like? Well, I think it's interesting first, just what you said, because this is my heart behind this too, is that sometimes we miss the root issue mm-hmm. of the problem in the world in general. And while I think there is a huge need for foster parents right now, for sure, um, there's such a need for reaching this, these women to find the love of Jesus. So they stop putting themselves in these situations. And then there's the kids aren't in foster care anymore, yeah. you know? And I think that that's, what's so amazing about what you were saying, how we all work, like you doing what you're doing is preventing more kids from being put in foster care. That's what your job is right now, you know? And so in the meantime, we have a three-year-old right now and it's a bad situation that, that she has been in. And it's, it's exhausting on, um, I think that what you almost can sometimes not take into consideration is the exhaustion and the the wear that it has on your whole family. Sometimes as a mom, I think you can sort of do all of the mom things and make the meals and do the laundry and all of that stuff, but you don't realize the wear that it puts on your whole family. And I think that it's important to 
again, it kind of just all goes back to communication, but like making sure that you are taking help from people and making sure that you're communicating with your kids and your husband on a consistent basis, because for, for people who are married and doing foster care, I know some people are single and doing it, but when you're married, your marriage has to be the foundation that is solid because if it's not okay in your marriage, nothing else in your family is okay. Trust me. And when we took, um, these two girls who were uh, two and three at the time this summer, it got to one, it was so exhausting. Um, we couldn't leave them alone for more than five seconds. And that's no consideration. I mean, no joke. They were literally swearing at us 200 times a day, um, kicking us and hitting us. It was just, physically emotionally exhausting and it got to the point where there was one day where um I was trying to take care of one of the girls and Adam came in to do it and I started to be like okay Adam and he was like you're not fighting with me and I was like I know and it was just this moment where I had to go upstairs and I was and he was like I don't know why you got upset with me and I was like I know I'm sorry like I know it wasn't you it was just the situation but like Keeping that marriage strong is so key because you have to have that. And um, being willing to allow other people to help. It's really why we started the next aspect of our ministry with the closet where we're offering help to foster families because I used to think that all foster parents needed was was clothing, Mm -hmm. which we did need. But we had the girls. They came with nothing. They had no shoes. They had no clothes except for the clothes in their back. We did need clothes. But like a week and a half in, I didn't, I did not care at all about clothes. If they had clothes or not, I couldn't have cared less. I just wanted somebody to make me a meal. I needed somebody to come clean my kitchen because I was losing it. I was literally in tears every day. Mm. I was just losing it. And so I think it's so important for, for foster families to be able to just accept that help. If somebody says, what can I do? Tell them what to do because they don't know. So be like, could you bring me a meal on Tuesday or would you mind coming in and cleaning my bathroom? It's a disaster, you know, because people want to be a part and they want to be used, but they don't know how to. And so we can get overwhelmed with clothing sometimes, which is fine, but it's just so much deeper than that. Like bring me a coffee. That's it. (laughs) You know? So I know I'm not alone so that I know it's okay. And there's somebody else out in the world and that's just what we need. And so that's really why we even started this nest because I don't think that the awareness is out there of what foster families need. I think that people think, well, I guess I can't be a foster family, so there's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. I don't think foster care is for everyone at all, but I do think that there's more that you can do. So I think if you're listening and you know somebody who's a foster family, don't necessarily just say, what can I do to help? But be like, hey, I mean, I called my friend one day and I was like, hey, I'm coming over tomorrow. Which house, which room of your house do you want cleaned? It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we really want to help, but just don't know how to do it. And so I think that tangible way of being able to help foster families, to me, is what was so needed. That clean my kitchen, bring me a meal, you know, do something for me that I can see that you're out there. And that made a huge difference for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think having the humility to be able to be like, listen, like I'm losing my mind, (laughs) you know, like like, this is not going well. And that like, I need, I need more people. And, and it's really hard to do that. Sometimes I have a really hard time doing that and be like, I'm actually kind of not okay, you know? Um, and yet being vulnerable allows people to, again, like we were talking about link arms and serve Mm -hmm. alongside you. And there, I mean, it's that whole concept as, of um it is so much better to like give than to receive and there's so much blessing when we get Mm -hmm. to love on people like that and I think something that my mom always has said is that you know when you turn someone down or you say like I've got it who are Mm -hmm. you robbing of the blessing like who (laughs) are you robbing of the blessing of being able to serve you or love on you because that can bring them so much joy or that can be I mean, what a gift it would be for someone to come in and clean your kitchen and get to see, like, this is the reality of foster care. And maybe it makes them feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be a foster parent, but I am going to love on love on the people that are. Or maybe it looks like, oh, man, like, there is such a need, you know, pray about being a foster parent. And so I just think that when we allow people into our lives like that, it's such mm-hmm. a beautiful thing because I think that it encourages and inspires in all kinds of ways that we maybe Mm -hmm. wouldn't have thought it would. 
Yeah, and, and don't forget, the only perfect moms are the moms on Instagram. <laughs> Those are the only ones who are perfect. Like, Honestly. I see these foster moms who are posting, like, their perfect outfits and all their stuff, and I'm like, come on. Like, right. you know, I was just thrown up on today. Right. So, anyways, you know. You're like, but oh, yeah, you have to do that. Wait, wait till I Instagram it. <laughs> yeah. We just have to find each other that we are that we need each other instead yeah. of trying to seem like we're we have it all together nobody has it all together right oh my gosh and it doesn't social media doesn't help with any of that because you can just sit and be like oh my gosh look so and so you know x Mm -hmm. y and z and it's like that is not anyone's reality you know and Mm -hmm. and I mean and I totally understand like I'm not gonna hop on Instagram and probably like you know rant about my bad day um (laughs) but you know it's also we have to remember and I have to remind myself so often that that's not reality for anyone Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. there's always so much more to all of it than I'm just sitting here drinking my coffee like okay that's great you know you might be drinking (laughs) coffee but there's probably more happening in your world than just like sitting and drinking coffee in your cute (laughs) living room you know (laughs) right and usually moms are posting Instagram stories when their kids are in bed and everybody's kids are adorable sleeping so, right. <laughs> so that's that's again not reality yeah no oh my gosh it is so stinking true I just oh man that is so funny okay so I really want to talk about I know you have a love for the word like you love the word of God um and I love that about you and so I want to talk about what does that look like for you I mean obviously you're juggling a lot of things right now um not just as a, as a mom um but like as a foster mom, as a wife, as a ministry leader, like as a putting on all the hats at all times. Um, mm-hmm. And so what does that look like for you to walk with the Lord, like in this season of your life um, and make that a priority? I think that I have had this in my mind that I was raised, my parents taught me the importance of a daily time with the Lord, which has made a huge impact and a huge difference because just the understanding of that has helped me. Um, it's still, it takes a lot of, of intention and a lot of planning. And, and I think that there are times where I'm like, okay, I can't wait to read my Bible. And I have to like, I can't wait to hear what God says to me. There's definitely times like that, but there are also definitely times if I'm just keeping it totally real, where I'm like, I am exhausted, but I guess I should get up this much earlier and I don't really want to, but I know I have to read my Bible. And I don't think that that is, I don't think that God is not pleased with that because God knows our hearts and he knows what our intentions and our desires are. And I just think that, I think I needed to say that so that people, you know, know that that's also a reality sometimes. And that doesn't mean you don't read it means that you still read because obedience is what God is looking for from us. And so, you know, even if I tell my kids to do something and they do it with a bad attitude, to be honest, I'd rather them clean their room with a bad attitude than not clean their room because that's disobedience. If I tell them to clean their room and they don't clean it. And so for me, I think it's that whole idea of the days and times where like the last two weeks, um, our foster daughter has been up in the night between 10 and 15 times a night. And then I've gotten up before six and then I stayed up until 1130 or 12 because my teen boys want to stay up late and they want to talk. And so there have, I feel like I am like hardly functioning sometimes because I'm just so exhausted. And it is in those times where I think it's so easy to be distracted. And I'll tell you what is way easier is to sit on my phone scrolling Instagram than to put my phone down and open my Bible. Mm -hmm. But I also have to be aware that the enemy is making it look that way because he's deceiving me. And the power does not come from my Instagram feed. The power comes from the word of God and the word of God is alive and it's Mm -hmm. active. And so that means that every time I read words from God's word, it is going to change me. It's going to, even if I don't feel it because it's a sword, it's a light. We know all the things that it is, right? Like the light, the reason why I think the enemy pulls us from it is because it's easier to watch a show on Netflix where I'm not convicted at all than to open my Bible and read about being slow to speak. Well, that shines light on my quickness to speak. And I don't want that. Right. So like, mm, I'll pass. <laughs> like that hurt a little. Yeah. But I think it's just the, the foundational understanding of, I know it's just like with anything in life. Like, should I have 10 pieces of pie or, or should I not? Like right. we know that long term, we know it's going to impact us in a positive way. So the days where we're tired, 
we have to just obey God. And that's mm-hmm. really what the bottom line is to me. Spending time with God is obedience. And so, mm-hmm. yes, there are days where I'm like, this is amazing. And I can feel God's presence. And, you know, what he spoke to me has changed my life today. And I can just feel him with me. And my prayer time is amazing. And I definitely have times like that. But there's also times where it's not like that. And I think sometimes people think it's always supposed to be like that. And if it's not like that, oh, no, there's something wrong with me. I guess I'm not doing it right. Now I just won't do it. Because who wants to ask somebody else about it? I just had a girl text me yesterday morning, and she was like, so I never read my Bible. Where should I start? And I was like, thank you for being honest and just saying, hey, I don't read my Bible. It's okay. I'm not going to judge you. You know, we all have to start somewhere. And so I think it is just that mentality that we have to say, I'm going to discipline myself to do this. And pray that the Lord speaks to me every single time and he's going to show me things. And even when I'm having a bad attitude and reading something, he can still work through that because that's who God is. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I I always like, this is so weird, but I always kind of correlate working out with like being intentional with like spending time (laughs) with the Lord, because the reality is like, I can have like, I don't know, five really hard, like intense, like really, I get totally like dripping with sweat workouts, (laughs) like five times a year. But that is not, I'm not going to be in shape. Like, you're going to be like, uh, girl, girl eats a lot of pizza. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to be like, oh, she for sure works out. Look at those arms. You know, like, no, you know, you're going to be like, she doesn't do anything. She sits all day at her computer, which is true. Um, but, but like if every single day I was disciplined to get up and maybe it's not even like anything crazy. I'm not, I'm not putting in this like really intense hour long workout every day, but I'm consistent and methodical and I am intentional to every single day or, you know, almost every single day make that happen. You're gonna be like, Oh man, she, she might actually take care of her body. Like she might actually work out, you know? And, and she is in shape. And so I feel like it's the same way with our relationship with the Lord. Like, Sometimes, like you were saying, we're looking for these, like, big mountaintop moment experiences, and that's great when those happen. Like, praise to God mm-hmm. for that. But the reality is that, like, the the strength comes from the everyday when we don't feel like it, the everyday being disciplined, the everyday sitting with the Lord, um, even when we don't feel like we're learning something great and crazy and, like, insane um, because that's what makes us strong when you're in seasons, when you're waking up 10 to 15 times a night, you know, with your foster kid. And, um, that's what gives us the strength to walk through those seasons when life is killing you because it is so hard and it is so exhausting. Um, but the fact that like God has called us to be good and faithful servants and a good and faithful servant is not just faithful in the big things. A good and faithful servant mm-hmm. is faithful in the little things and that every day. And, and I have to remind myself of that too often. Cause it will, I mean, let's be real. I can't even work out. <laughs> so like, there's that, like I use that anal- analogy and I don't work out. Um, but like, I mean, except for like the five times a year, you know, but <laughs> But with the Lord, I'm just always so reminded of, like, God is not, like, yes, he's calling me to be faithful in the big things, but a lot of times, like, the big, exciting things are easy to be faithful in. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But it's the small things. It's the waking up early. It's the setting aside time. That's the part that is hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because in our house, it's very evident when somebody hasn't read their Bible. So it is totally like, if I, like, react a certain way, AJ would be like, Mom, did you read your Bible today? Because that's amazing you got like your accountability all over the place like "Mm, obviously (laughs) mom skipped her time with the lord why did i teach you this way what in the world (laughs) oh my gosh that's so amazing though and it is i love that i can always tell like when i haven't spent time with the lord there's always like some time because you know what usually happens is i'm like well i'll do this thing really quick and then i'll do that except then you do this thing Mm -hmm. and then like you have to respond to this other email and then you have to handle this and la di da da it's 3 p.m i'm losing my mind and i'm like oh my gosh if i would have just like if i would have just set aside that 20 minutes this morning like my life would be so much better today (laughs) yeah that's really true i think it's funny because we talk about like tithing Mm. a lot like the Christian walk and stuff, which is in reference to money, which I think mm-hmm. that passage is talking about money. Um, but I think it's true the same way. You know, when you're tithing financially and when you tithe first to the Lord financially, like for us, things are really tight financially. So when we tithe financially first, God always blesses after. But when you try to fill everything in first with money, you, you're you not going to have money to tithe because you're just not. 
But I think it's the same way with our time with the Lord. Like when I give that 10, 20 minutes in the morning first, somehow I manage to get the rest of the day fill in somehow. But like you're saying, so like that's what I'll do with so I'll check check one email. I just gotta check this one thing and then everything takes longer. And then you're at the end of the day and you don't have time and you're tired or you had plans that night or something. So putting it first, I just think is so key and so important because it's kind of, again, the obedience of like, okay, God, I'm going to test you and try you. I'm going to read first. You fill in the rest of my day and you fit in the rest of it around only ways that you can do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so, it's so true. And it's something that I always have to remind myself on so often because still as even as much as I know it to be true, like I still have days where it doesn't happen. And I'm like, why did I do that again? You know? And so it's this constant refining process and yet you know, I'm grateful that there that I can see, oh yeah, for sure I didn't spend time with the Lord. You know, I, I'm grateful that I can see that like there's a difference between the two um, because it does, it pushes me to be intentional and it pushes me to make that a priority. And I think that little by little, like it's life changing, you know, it really mm-hmm. is life changing. Um, okay. So one of the, the last questions that I always ask on the podcast is um, what are you learning? And the reason why I ask that is because I read a book in high school, and I say this all the time, read this book in high school that said that leaders must first be learners. And so if we want to be a good leader, leader, we have to be a good learner. And so I want to know, like, what are you learning in your life in this season? Um, it doesn't have to be anything big or crazy. Um, it might just be something really small. But what are you learning? What is what is the Lord teaching you right now in this season of your life? <clears throat> I think that what the biggest thing that the Lord is teaching me is to the importance of remembering what God has done and remembering his faithfulness. And I know that sounds like a cliche Christian answer, but let me fill it in with what doesn't sound cliche Christian and what's a little bit open and vulnerable and say that um, like since the fall, probably there were some things that happened in our family's life that I did not think was fair. It wasn't fair. It wasn't just in my mind. I felt like um, God could have done things differently, should have done things differently. It didn't seem like he was being true to who he said he was because he promises to bless the righteous. And, you know, I have all these verses in my head of what, of what I think God is supposed to be doing and how I think God is supposed to be acting. And because we walked through it as a family, it was also really difficult because my kids were walking through it and wrestling with the same thoughts. But because I was also wrestling with those thoughts, I couldn't come in as a mom and be like, no, no children. <laughs> like, yeah. this is what God says. It's faithful. And so, um, to be honest, like there was times where I was like, I'm praying God, but I don't think this is even going to work, but sure. I'll pray because you tell me to pray. Um, but I don't even believe that you're going to answer what I'm saying. So I don't know the point of praying. I'm just being real. (laughs) This is real life. And this is what was happening. And so, um, as you know, life kind of continued and and went on, um, I read a passage in Psalm 77 and basically it was the writer was talking about similar things to what I was just saying, where he was like, God, are you even going to be merciful anymore? Like, that's why I love the songs because it's like real. Oh, David is like, he's like having the best day of his life. And the next day he's having the worst day of his life. You know what I'm saying? Like he's real with the Lord. Like, yeah. And like, he doesn't hold back. He's like, see my enemy, kill him. Like, take right. away the freedom. I'm like, You're like shoot, David. <laughs> but, um, in that passage, as he was saying all that, like, okay, you know, where's your mercy? Are you even going to remember us anymore? He started listing things that were like all the miracles that God had done, all the ways that God had worked. And basically a lot that I have noticed in the Psalms, I'm reading to the Psalms this month, is that there's so many word verses that start out with I will. And that has been what God has been showing me is that I have to make this choice that I will believe that God is faithful. I don't feel like God is faithful. I don't feel like God hears me. I mean, there was just a time a couple of months ago and even like last month where I felt that way. Like, and I knew that they were just my feelings, but they're still real. Yeah. And, um, through that passage, God just showed me like my faithfulness, my faithfulness, remember, remember what I've done. And so we actually, I sat down with the family. Um, it was on at the beginning of January and I was like, we need to just start saying things that God has done in the past that we maybe forgot ways that God healed you ways that God, you know, provided financially, ways that God did this, because we have to remember, if we don't remember those things, that's when we start to get like, God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't think you're doing anything. And so really to me, that has been the biggest thing, even just this month of um, 
writing things down, speaking out loud the things that we remember that God has done. And I actually texted, I have uh, an older sister and a younger brother and younger sister. And I started a group text with all of them. And I said, we need to start texting each other all the things that God has done over our life, over the years, like in all the different ways with, you know, everything that God has done, because it's so easy to forget things. And that's where I was even last month of like, forgetting the 25 things that God had done to get us to this point and remembering that one thing that God did that I thought was letting me down, you Mm -hmm. know? And so just him showing me, he's pretty gentle. (laughs) He could Mm -hmm. slap me across the face, but like, he's pretty good about it. (laughs) about just being like, like, just remember, do you remember? Look at your family, look at your marriage, look at your, you know, this is what God has done. This is what Mm -hmm. I'm doing for you now. Like, why are we so short sighted and we forget things so easily? So that's been convicting and challenging for me this month, just to be like, I have to remember what God has done. And even if it's going back to what God did in the Bible, I mean, how far can we go back on what God has done with my grandparents with, you know, like you can go back forever. We can sit here forever. You and I, and talk about, all the amazing things that God's done just in our lifetimes, not to mention everything else. And so just the importance of remembering it and then speaking it has been huge for me this month. Oh, girl, that's so good. And so like convicting and encouraging for me <laughs> in my own life of just being like, man, like it's it's so easy to focus on whatever feels like it's right in front of our face right here. <laughs> and that feels like it's not pulling through. And yet when we look back and we remember and we, we see what mm-hmm. he's done, it's like, okay, like, no, my God is faithful. Like my God mm-hmm. will provide, he will pull mm-hmm. through. And so mm-hmm. it is so easy to forget that. Um, and so that's just so good. Um, such a good reminder. I'm really grateful. Well, for that. it's personal and it's, it's real because I, you know, financially for us it's been wicked hard lately and so I this grocery shopping is my least favorite thing in the world for many reasons but a lot of the times because we don't have a lot of money so the other week I was walking through the grocery store and I was starting to feel myself be like well I wanted to get that but I guess I can't get that this week and I was like God always is faithful God and I people probably thought I'd lost my mind but I just was saying <laughs> out loud through that. I, like, I walked out yeah. I was just like God is faithful I'm picking yeah. up like the apples God always provides like I'm just um, like picking things up and putting it in my cart because I'm like I have to do this people are like um crazy lady in aisle seven but like it's fine but I just have to sometimes you just have to speak it because you have yeah. to remind yourself you know, that God is faithful. He's always going to provide. So it's helpful for me to remind myself of that because I forget a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I am just so grateful for you coming on here and just sharing your life and your world and your wisdom. And, you know, you have a lot happening um, in in your world. And yeah, I'm just really grateful for you carving out the time to just share and bless us, bless me. Um, I'm always so blessed by you and our conversation. So thank you so much for doing this. I just love you so much and um, can't wait to see how the Lord continues to work with you. Thank you for doing this. I love that you answered God's, you know, request for you to do it because I'm sure that took faith for you to do that too. And I just love to see how God's using you in the lives of people. And it's just awesome. I just love you so much. Love you too. Thanks so much. (laughs) Okay, guys, was that not just the best? I absolutely adore Rochelle and I'm so grateful that we got to spend some time today chatting and hearing about her life and her world and how she is loving on her people so well. If you guys want to follow Rochelle and what is going on in her world, you can find her on Instagram at Rochelle Chase. And as always, if you guys want to follow along what's going on in my world and get updates about the podcast, you can follow me at Jessica Lauren Photo on Instagram. Thanks so much, guys. I hope you loved our time together, and I will see y'all next week.